I did not do it. I could have done that, huh? You, I could have, you did it off your computer? Oh, I did it on my computer. But I was thinking, since I did it on the computer, I could have recorded through the phone. But the yeah, as long as your microphone is okay, then yeah. that would be fine. It should, it should be good. She said she could hear me good. I could hear her good. So something that hit me during that was how I, I had all these ideas in my head of um, I can never do a, a virtual podcast because if I'm so much like need to see the person right there with them and um, you know the the lag of doing some sort of a a virtual thing it would it would be t- too much for me right this is a whole story I'd made up in my head besides Zoom or just Zoom? just through anything through Zoom through FaceTime through I, I this is again very much in the Paul way of like you just make assumptions that based based in nothing because he never even tried it I never tried it mm. <laughs> and what hit me today ten minutes into doing this thing with Sharon was like. This feels so intimate. I feel like you're standing right, sitting right across from me, just as we are now, you know, in four-dimensional space-time, <laughs> sitting right across. I, I was totally lost in it in such a cool way. And I was just like, it, it so quickly, um, and, and Zoom obviously existed before the pandemic, but it hit me like the whole world is just the other side of your screen away. You could talk to somebody on the other side of the planet yeah. and have a great... And I just had put all that into a certain box in my mind of like no those are phone calls those aren't as intimate as face to face but it felt pretty damn intimate today yeah i mean it, like i got to talk to sharon we hung out for she a little bit she mentioned on the yeah, podcast so yeah. just, and part of it's that we know each other right mm-hmm. i don't know how it would do with somebody totally new mm-hmm. but then that opportunity of what if it's that okay on you know on zoom on a two-dimensional screen how much are we might we be more present for in our 3D bodily meeting yeah. that we're taking for granted, and certainly plenty of people do, right, that, that, that don't get to know each other at all, mm-hmm. that um, that in a weird way, what do we call it, it's like the, the Janus God facing each way, because the, the, the disadvantage with the 2D thing is you're comfortable being alone, oh, yeah. right? And that's, uh-huh. And that's actually was part of allowing what's allowing people to connect. Like, oh, I get to be in my home. I don't have to go anywhere, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, because so Greg certainly. had this funny post that you shared on Facebook of a sheepdog sitting in front of a TV, uh, looking at a bunch of sheep facing him, and the caption was, "I'm at I'm at work." Yeah. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So it, so it's funny that it's not strange for us that we're doing that. Yeah. <laughs> well, what hit me so crazy was I thought. I would be so immune to it because I'm very much a anti-social media. I don't have any Facebook, any Twitter, anything. I'm. I've. It's funny. I've always said I don't like talking on the phone, but more and more, I had a two and a half hour conversation with Keith on the phone the he's other a, day. He's, a good phone he's an amazing phone talker. He's like an. <laughs> he's like the only person I can talk to on the phone. <laughs> Me too. I know. I know. But slowly, I'm finding myself even having a little thirty minute conversation, an hour long conversation there with people huh. since the pandemic, and and all these these ideas that I had of just like this is you know very rigid. This is who I am. I'm not this person i'm surprising myself the zoom was the, the hardest case today of of like oh man this feels so natural and and i had a whole library of ideas of why it wasn't going to be and it feels very damn natural and you know and, yeah. and it's yeah the, the the advantage which is great you know whatever it is you know the just enjoying it you know regardless like if you just just like techie stuff and yeah. not poo-pooing anything mm-hmm. and then and then the the advantage of seeing what it's showing us 
that we're missing, like exactly. I was saying, yeah. that, uh, that, that, like I think you mentioned this with Patrick, you know, the, or whoever, the, the ability to get used to something and we're not noticing our downhill. Yeah, that the unconscious just, stuff that's going. Yeah, yeah that we're it's being missed. So, you know, like, you know, uh, things being moved more and more to screens and indoors and I mean, like a drug feels great, right? Of course, while you're on it. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes. And we don't recognize that, you know, especially for those that have become, you know, used to them and that need them or whatever, mm-hmm. it's because they weren't uh, uh, noticing what was pleasurable and then that repression denial ended up needing the drugs yes. to show them this is happiness. And that's perfectly good and great, <laughs> yeah. right? But then there's this, the, the window up, the advantage of also looking back at Okay, you know, when it becomes a problem, <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, well, you know, well, you know, was I reliant on them for other reasons? Did it break a window open because I had, you know, clenched down on one over here? Yeah. So I'm not saying I. This is all still very new to me. It's all me. very new to everybody. Yeah, right? yeah. So yeah, like, definitely. I'm, I'm very comfortable. Like, yeah, zoom, you know, zoom and who? <laughs> this is great. <laughs> it's great. Hey, and by the way, I never responded to your text. Did you of course I know, Aretha Franklin. I'm okay. not kidding. She, she, I've, I say, I say all the time, she's my favorite female vocalist probably in history. Uh, oh yeah. She just, just, I hear her voice and it's just head to toe, just. Yeah. It. You know what I mean? She's got that deep, so soulful. A uh, a thing I like to say, it's not technical, musical or whatever, but like when I hear someone sing, the the filter between like soul and voice, the less filter I feel there, the more it's just straight yeah. mainstream in their soul. Yeah. Is that and then she of course is up there. Now another one on the other end of the spectrum, which uh, this is about as far the other end of the spectrum as you can get. It's embarrassing to admit, but I'm going to put it out there to the dream talking world, is Sia. Do you know Sia? Never heard that. Okay. You probably have, but you don't know it. Sia. She she doesn't show her face. All of her stuff, she's got a mask on all the time, and all of her music videos, she doesn't show her face. Huh. So so she's... This is embarrassing. She uh, did the song, uh, I'm going to swing from the chandelier. If I played it, you know. So again, now she's the other end, very high voice, voice, even screechy, even her voice cracks sometimes. But it's it it's so raw and so just again straight from the soul that you know Aretha Franklin's a very deep, like earthy boom. You feel the soul, and she's at the other end of the up there in the ether, very high and screechy. But in either case, when I hear them sing, it's just like. You just you oh. feel them. Well, you listen to it then. Yeah, I'll send you some stuff for sure. Yeah, and then that whole idea of you know, the use of soul, like, and the conventional idea is you like, you know, you rejected the techie stuff because you're not supposed to be on the phone or on screens or whatever. Yeah. And you're supposed to, you know, be body to body, but an advantage of Zoom is breaking our conventional uh, assumptions of of whatever. Like I'm bad if I'm not paying attention, looking, you know, person in the eyes or something like that. Yeah. And oddly, Zoom, in, 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 the, um, in the adjustments of like looking at this avatar's box on the screen to see uh-huh. if, you know, the view is okay or the hair is okay, whatever, right? Yeah. That I, I can't directly see it 
because directly I see it, I have to look right in the camera. And everyone knows you're looking at yourself. Not, 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 no, 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 because oh, you can't even see I don't it. think I'm looking at myself because, you're because seeing I can't it. see myself. I got you, yeah. And then, but the idea will certainly come. Oh my God, people are now, because I actually did this with Paul and Amelia. <laughs> Does it look like I'm looking right in your eyes right now? Uh, and they said, yes, of course, right? Uh-huh. And so I'll, I'll, I'll play with that. You know, yeah. imagine looking people in the eyes. And that leads to relying on the vocal tones and you know, and paying attention only to the words, mm-hmm. you know, and then the realization, well, you know, deaf people get to pay attention. I mean, um, blind people get to pay attention so too without more. being able to, <laughs> without exactly. being able to see, right? Yeah, yeah. So that kind of playing around um, is just kind of fascinating to me. Totally. And, and how it, you know, leads back then to what does that mean about our most common experience of body to body and the conventional wisdom of, you know, of, of, you know, full Baseline, human body presence, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I don't know what that means, but yeah. I'm very curious. Of course, man. So. Yeah, it, 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 I talked with Sharon about this earlier about um, headless way stuff. It gives a whole new twist <laughs> to headless way. You say you do that, you look I, for your head every day? It's my favorite fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's my, my list of hobbies. <laughs> I'm like the weirdest you know yeah. my list of hobbies are meditating doing sam harris's meditation going for a walk in the park <laughs> watching the cherry blossoms fall and looking for my own head yep that's like that that beats out any clubbing any concerts any traveling i'm i'm a literally a giant kid like yeah. <laughs> but yeah the, the headless way stuff sam harris's app uh the i can't think of his name right now this is twice today i forgot his name but the the Disciple of Douglas Harding. Douglas, yeah, Douglas Harding. His disciple. His D- Douglas Harding was the guy that came up with the headless way book. Yeah. And then he had a, this. I call him a disciple, right, but a the, student um, right. that kind of passed along the um, the uh, the story, and or the 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 teachings. They call it the science of uh, first person or the science the science. What's of they call it? Yeah, I think he calls it the science of the first person. Yeah. Pretty cool, right? Or yeah. or the science of subjectivity. Because it has very tangible. Yeah, it, it's it's looking at it yeah. as if you were a scientist. You're yeah. you're objectively looking at subjectivity, if that's one way. You know, on present evidence alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, what do I experience? What do I experience when I look for my own head? You know, and then so that right there, you know, that's worth the price of admission. Oh my God, to that. <laughs> I was totally tripped out by that practice that Roman. You mentioned about imagine your brain, no, you imagine your eyeballs Falling. coming out of your shoulders and your brain flitting. Oh my god, I just like was all, all like, yeah, that's a heavy one, dude. That's a heavy one. I don't do that one every day huh. because it's just, it's like, well, it was funny extreme. because I've tried to wonder what does it mean to have eyeballs be able to be out and looking, especially, or one eyeball looking back on the other one, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 and I can't actually, you know get my yeah, head around it <laughs> of course i don't think anybody can and that that's the point right but yeah so so looking looking for your own head um and then all and as we're talking about the zoom it gets back on the cool little variations of that so the most low-tech thing you can do is look at a reflection right look at your reflection in water or whatever and a couple cool things there is like if you look away from the reflection and then you look back at yourself right in the eyes you'll never see your eyes move because something, right. yeah, we, you know, obviously. <laughs> you might imagine that you see it or yeah, something yeah. like that, right? But, and, and I think even like, 
some sort of a brain gamesy type thing like the 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 brain will edit even if there was some chance of catching yeah. something it, it just fills in the blanks of like no you didn't see that like it goes right back to seeing your eyes right where they're so that's a fun you yeah know, i think that's what's similar about looking directly at the camera i think that's exactly what i was yeah. thinking of when you're like i can't that. see what i'm actually like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and then and then getting back to the headless way think of like so then where am i where do i stand where is my ultimate uh avatar or where is my ultimate, you know, standing place? And and then it's just more fun of pointing back to the the emptiness or the headlessness, or you know, to, to me. So, okay, anyway. So I, I thought on the way over here about I'm not going to... Uh, I'm experimenting with trying different things with the podcast. And um, I said this to Sharon, and she said that, no, I'm totally off base. But I'm, I'm starting to believe that I like the idea of getting a biographical story of my guests more because mm. it's kind of, it for me i enjoy hearing it and i enjoy hearing it on other podcasts and then also um it makes me not talk so damn much and it gives me an opportunity to get to know somebody in a way that you even with your closest friends you never really go hey like give me a story from the beginning you know like <laughs> it would just kind of be weird to do but this is an excuse to do it like hey let me introduce you and we have uh like, I have to well, so Sharon started with, um, uh, when she was 10 or 11 years old and somebody gave her LSD by accident. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> was it, was she okay? I, well, exactly. I, I was, I was like, okay, well, she goes on to explain how it was this amazing Good. healing experience. Yeah. And I said, Hey, disclaimer, 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 yeah. don't give your kid. Yeah. Or if you're 10 or 11 out there, don't do it. That's but... going to them out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's the first thing. It was I'm an doing. accident. They didn't do it on purpose, right? No. Yeah. It was an accident. <laughs> okay. And what's funny is um, what came up for me that I never was able to say to her. I don't know why. But my mom has a similar experience that she, someone gave her LSD when she was 14 and she didn't know what anything was. This is like in, in Minnesota or Michigan in the 70s. And some guy at a bowling alley said, hey, you like getting high? And she had never smoked weed, nothing, and said, uh, um, uh, yeah, sure, I like getting high. She didn't know what she was saying. She didn't know she, anything. And he gave her she, – she put all the pieces together later on, you know. So it started to, it started to hit her as she was picked up by her – I want to say her uncle or her great uncle or something or her grandpa and brought home and and she's tripping on LSD sitting on the couch watching some show or whatever and yeah and and, and it wasn't as positive an experience for her mm. um and I think she said her her cousin uh recognized what was going on because he was a little older he was like in his older younger 20s and he took her to his room and basically you know coached her through the rest of it and sat it, you know, just wrote mellow it out. Her out. Yeah, Miller yeah. out, wrote it out, you know, as best as he could. He was her shaman, you know, <laughs> whether uh, whether huh. either of them had signed up for that at the beginning of the day. But and then my mom, you know, now many years later, she did LSD, you know, again. She was a deadhead, you know. So here we are, Hayden Ashbury. This is, you know, the historic stomping grounds. Um, and then it hit her, and again in her 20s of like oh that's what happened when i was 14 she didn't even know what it was it took her that long to i had this insane experience it felt like a near-death like experience 
I put it away in a box, never talked to anybody about it. And then once she did acid later on, she goes, oh, someone gave me acid when I was 14. Oh, so even though her cousin took care of her, she never found out. I guess. They just didn't talk oh. about it. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. Um, and, but, some and, post-follow-up there. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's <laughs> a lot of unanswered questions. And then my mom obviously is became spiritually inclined somewhat. That's what got her into the church that was the cult that I grew up in, yada, yada. Um, but all that came up for me. And here I am. Right after I said how I'm going to care about your bio, bio, biographical story, I start talking about my yeah, that's, like, that's a juicy one. <laughs> it's crazy, um, right? But no, why did she object to the idea of doing that? Because um, she says, uh, which, which I kind of funny I'll agree with. So the podcast I like listening to, you listen to them again and again because of the hosts, right? Because you're, and even if they tell the same story mm. again and again, you come back for them right and then the guests are just you know so she said she said obviously don't talk the whole time anyway but but don't uh don't be afraid to repeat stories or whatever you know that was kind of her little take on for it for you to repeat stories yeah like uh, like i just told a story that i just told on the last yeah, podcast yeah. you know what i right, mean like right. shut the hell up and let the let the guests talk so huh. all that is a setup <laughs> to say uh the question that seems to be very fruitful for me so far in this is I like to ask people um, something along the lines of when did you first get a hint that there was something else going on uh, you could say the first like uh, the blue pill in the matrix mm-hmm. like you you believed you were in the matrix then all of a sudden you got a little bit of a hint of oh maybe yeah I'm not you know in the matrix but I'm the one watching it Right, and so for a lot of people, maybe they were never they've never been asked that. And so they go inside and go, huh? When when was it? So that's that's my offering for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, my my <laughs> my experience is overridden by the drug taking. So that was, uh-huh. I mean, that was blown out of the water. That was obvious obviously the case. That was more real than this experience of being real. Like I can still remember that even though this, I can say this feels real, Yeah, right? th- that feels more, I yeah. have a similar experience. Of yeah, so it's not like I'm always relying on that memory to remind me that this isn't as real as that was, mm-hmm. but it was so blown out of the water on many occasions in many so ways. Obvious. <laughs> yeah, but I could offer, a, I could see the a gonna, lead up, so to speak. I, I'm going to readjust the mic. You're going to what? I'm going to readjust the mic. Let's try this. I think oh, you're just moving okay. the phone. I think we're going to read. <laughs> Go ahead, tell your story. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, so, I, but you know, I can make up a story of things leading up, because this was pretty unusual at the time, where I was with a friend who was insisting his view overlooking the Nevada desert. We were going up ski slopes, chairs, was uh, green and it was brown. It was desert, so I thought it was supposed to be brown anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it was dry, right? <laughs> uh, and then, and I had never worn sunglasses at, up to that point. Uh, and he, he was wearing them, and for some reason, I borrowed them. Uh-huh. And that was the first time I knew that sunglasses could change color. Yeah, yeah. So talk about, you know, realizing, you know, that story of you know, he's colorblind. I said, you're colorblind, to realizing something so totally different yeah. that I had never experienced. Um, and this is like what age? I was eighteen, like, <laughs> <laughs> or twenty even, like yeah, 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 yeah. probably twenty. Okay. So um, yeah, so it's not like 
like let's say even backing up to uh, probably freshman year in high school. I know it's sophomore because I had met this cool family that I became close to, uh, and they were um, Protestant, you know, and didn't believe Catholic were actually Christian. So that was a uh, uh, that was you know like sunglasses. It was all in the whole yeah. all in the experience. <laughs> they had the Protestant classes. Like yeah, that. you know. Uh, and you grew up Catholic. Yeah, yeah. And I never heard of this idea of like not taking Jesus down from the cross, and you know. But anyway, they were a cool family. It was, it was a really important part of my life, um, where I even you know just did as best as I could. Yes, I accept Jesus into my heart, like they were suggesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't I can't remember if it was before or after that. There was just this recognition of I don't have to know why or prove what happiness is. I just accept it. Wow. You know? Yeah. And that was, and I think I'd been had, had a, this major depression uh, just not long before that. Mm-hmm. So so there was, I can't remember how that dovetailed with the Jesus thing because that didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. For that matter, happiness didn't work out for a long time either. Right? <laughs> sure they were tied together. Yeah, because there was there's the, the, faith in both, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, you know, but the what has faith was way down uh-huh. the road, right? Yeah, so yeah. he didn't. He wasn't even going to be looked at for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That wasn't going to be looked at for a while. Yeah. That's cool, man. Okay. So, so I mean, there's just like so much that that uh, comes up. You know, and then of course, le- you know, learning about other spiritualities, you know, and and stuff. Um, and I try to rem- remember, as far as the drug experiences, there was one uh, uh, different one, other than being really high and really loving and, you know, stuff fun or whatever like okay, that. So just because it's interesting to me, uh, what drugs, what ages? And so I didn't do drugs. I didn't even drink because my father was an alcoholic. So I uh-huh. thought I was, I was one of those that wasn't going to do that. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I started drinking in college and uh, that was nothing profound. And yeah, not much comes from drinking. I think for too many people. Me, yeah. Uh, and uh, pot and 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 cocaine didn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. It was it wasn't until MDMA, no excuse me, crystal meth, mm-hmm. which really like you know everything made sense. You know, my, oh. and it was a really actually very physically relaxing drug. So it might have some kind of uh, you know like they give Ritalin for yeah. certain things. So obviously you know really comfortable and my whole life would be figured out and I, yeah. I, I knew why we were friends and <laughs> yeah, 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 everything yeah. That I said made said because what you said made made sense so and it was yes, just yes, you know yes. it was really great but then you know <laughs> suicidal afterwards which the friend that gave me that the first time never told me so oh he didn't was, tell you what it was or, or what the effects were no no oh, yeah it didn't tell me much uh-huh. and I was left on my own afterwards yeah. not realizing God, and it did that so to me scary yeah. man I know yeah, so that was the drug of not choice as far as I did it a lot, and it was had the most getting back to uh, what we were horrible about, effects. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But then MDMA was, you know, super warm and loving and present. You know, mm-hmm. so that was that. Uh, and not as much of an of a. Oh, nothing of a come down no, no, okay. until I started doing too much, and then I kind of started getting these electrical amps mm-hmm. afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Totally. You know, but comparatively speaking, no, nothing. Um, yeah, because so I've never done uh, meth. Um, or coke, actually, um, the the most non psychedelic high drug I've done is MDMA. You know, kind of like a like I call it like a high, like it. So when I take it, I don't know if you feel I almost feel like a superhero, like, like MDMA. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And so when you say that sounds more like math to me. <laughs> so, uh oh, 
Maybe I'm gonna need to. So when when you said Crystal, you explained the way that I feel on MDMA. Yeah. Everything makes sense. I know why it makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then also no fear, like like you feel like a superhero in that, and that's why I've heard some people talk about why they use it for um therapy. Yeah. Why it's so helpful is you create we in our normal sober consciousness create walls around we never go and look at what's on the other side of that wall we just don't look there because mm-hmm. that's that's you know if we look there then it's it's the whole our whole world's going to fall apart um and then mdma it will just make you go oh wait why the hell was i so scared of that and you yeah. jump over the wall and you go oh yeah we can handle this we got this and, yeah, you, and yeah. you can face things you never face and you can you can work through stuff and then obviously you are going to come down and and but now that stuff that was never that was so repressed that couldn't even be looked at has now been looked at and you survived it and and then that's the uh the quote integrate intri- integration integration of like how can you then take this on with your normal sober life of the lessons that you've learned from it yeah that's the fascinating thing with drugs in context with non-duality as far as the ability the, the opportunity for those that that avenue is available because you, the drug is not you yeah so you're and able you're clear to, about that yeah yeah you're clear about that yeah. right and actually for addicts in the end that's you know you get stuck going relying on them yeah but it still wasn't every you weren't in charge of your own, you know, uh, superhero spiritual progress. I never thought of myself as a particularly spiritual person. Mm-hmm. So it allowed that to come in because the drugs did it to me. Yeah, exactly. It puts you there. And yeah. then you're, well, we're here, so. <laughs> so, it, yeah, so the therapy and all that, it makes total sense. And totally. then, you know, and then the other people that have an odd difficulty because they think they were the ones all the time that were meditating or, mm-hmm. or whatever that don't it, it, get that opportunity but they don't have the drug problem so <laughs> take your so, point yeah, yeah exactly so, but, but it's interesting but you, you can never really say one thing or the other but putting the uh, juxtaposing the two can, can give you a can give a hit of why it's not this way or that way exactly and, yeah and if you have if you have some experience with both you can see the the benefit and drawbacks of both yeah, yeah, especially in retrospect, so that's it's better probably to listen to somebody else and learn from <laughs> in some way, right, than having to repeat the experience. Totally, or you could do a whole lot of that and maybe just do a little bit of your own experience. Yeah, right, much. Yeah, because it's get kinda, more bang for your buck. Yeah, because there's a seed of everything and everything, right? So like your tiny bit of a tiny tiny bit of maybe experimenting, you'll see what was being said. You won't feel the or you'll recognize the warning or whatever. I do okay, so. I, I was re-listening to Michael Pollan. Are you familiar with Michael Pollan? Mm -hmm. He put a book out about two years ago called How to Change Your Mind, and it's about psychedelic drugs. Um, He he was a guy in his 50s. So he's a famous writer for... um, like nature and food he's like the premier writer on food of our generation he mm-hmm. he wrote uh cooked the omnivore's dilemma um uh, a, a whole bunch of stuff about food <laughs> and he's out of berkeley is why he's big in my world is that he lives right down the street from uh, um the cheese board and the original pizza and all that which i grew up in that area so i've seen him in passing here and there and um and he's you know a five time over New York Times bestselling writer. So he 
has always his main thing's always kind of been like gardening and food and he's a very incredibly deep thinker of like the bigger picture on that and he did a thing on caffeine recently which is so crazy how like caffeine was responsible for the renaissance and like uh yeah and like the scientific revolution it's so fucking cool yeah um and so he did a thing on psychedelics a few years ago that a lot of people were like this is a departure <laughs> like you're normally talking about coffee and gardening and food and now you're talking about psychedelic drugs and, I'm uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and he goes well it's not really a departure to me because i've always written about nature and humans interaction with nature and when we interact with nature um uh, how how we use it to learn things about ourselves and how you know we we um evolve and evol and and revolutionize how nature you know responds to that right so that's that's agriculture that's everything all the way down the line right so anyway uh, i i went back to listening to some of his stuff so when he wrote the book on psychedelics about two years ago a lot of people were saying okay now even the adults are doing it you know what i mean that 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 it it, it had be it had been a counterculture thing for so long in the 60s and the 70s the very long drought and then more recently more you know this big ceos in silicon valley and all these people are are talking about microdosing and it's starting to become and so for a lot of people it became when michael pollan wrote the book about doing psychedelics it, it the adults are doing it now it's it's breaking into the mainstream and in a way it kind of hasn't up to this point because he um, even though he like he grew up in New York and he's lived in Berkeley all this time, he never did any drugs. He never smoked pot. He never wow. yeah in, until his late fifties. Wow. Yeah, like so. All, all of that is to say, he wrote this book, and now a whole lot of people that were uh, products of the um, the Dare generation. You know, don't do drugs, and if you do LSD, you're gonna think you're a, a piece of toast or whatever the hell. <laughs> all those <laughs> <Or> stuff. <toast. laughs> all the propaganda of that time and now those people are even like wow okay if, if michael pollan you know got over it and went and and did this and had all these amazing experiences maybe i should too hmm. and so more and more over these last couple of years uh people with so much more i talked with patrick about this because he said he didn't do anything until his 30s that he had a foundation in a way that a lot of us you know, I first took mushrooms when I was 17 or 18. I didn't, I didn't know anything. <laughs> like, I was just like, whoa, yeah. here we go, <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, and that way you were talking about, I said, uh, you always knew it was other than you. I was pretty convinced I was mushrooms. <laughs> like, the first time I, t- I was like, the Nick's gone. Big mushroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nick's yeah. gone. I'm whatever this is now. Well, when, this when is what it's going to be that's, forever. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah you know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 that's what happened to me on ketamine, mm. that, I, I wasn't ketamine, but I, and I'm not sure if the context of having had enough, some kind of spirituality, oneness or something, yeah. allowed it to be remembered at this point this way, that I was with one with whatever, like, I, especially the visual field, that's how I remember. There was yeah. no, it's like the headless wave, essentially. It was like the headless wave without <laughs> yeah. the headless wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, um, so not being told anything about it, not having expectations or whatever, in some ways allowed... You know, that's available to, yeah. the disappearance yeah. of any person taking the ketamine you just yeah. you could say you're just a ketamine you could just say you're just nothing which yeah. we kind of are already but uh, okay so uh, why was I getting into Michael Pollan because he was talking about 
when so okay you let's say you read the entire you've never done a psychedelic you read the entire book you you know all the studies you know all the everything in some ways it, it is a dichotomy in that you could be bringing a lot of baggage and a lot of expectations into it but what a lot of the the set and setting right the mindset and the setting that you do the drugs in if you really do take that serious enough um you can just go in with the idea of this is an exploration of my conscious experience what does it have to offer you know and, and that that's kind of the the um the punchline of his book right it's not gonna make you better it's not going to like just purely it's almost like give it up to god like like what 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 do you got to offer i'm all ears you know in, in a non-personal in a non-whatever way so when when as you were explaining your experiences it, it, it made me think of the fact of like um what a lot of um these people that are reading his book and then and then doing the psychedelics and reporting back are talking about is there's this theme of um and th this is there's clinical research on this some people have they call it like the unified theory of um, mental health right it's that's an interesting name just on its own, right? And the idea is that in mental health, it's a spectrum. On one end, there's there's too much certainty. There's too much structure. There's too much conservative, I got it all together, I got it all figured out, and that is depression. Or it's also kind of anxiety. It's two sides of the same thing of like, I know what's going to happen, or I know that I don't know what's going to happen. You're clinch, you're you're, you're contracted would be the metaphor I would use. They don't use that, but you're completely contracted. You got it all figured out. There's no uh, chance or hope for anything else. So you're utterly fucked, right? And and one thing that psychedelics, so that's when you're, when you're, when you have a bad case of depression or anxiety uh, uh, in a sober state, it's very hard to break out of that. It's a reinforcing loop, feedback loop of I'm fucked. You know, I'm depressed because I'm depressed. I'm anxious because I'm anxious. And what more and more people in this new field of psychedelics are, are realizing is that if you if you do MDMA, mushrooms, uh, even LSD, it gives you an opportunity to swing to the other end of this, the perspective of, I have no idea. All my ideas of, of I'm sure that I'm depressed and I have a million reasons of why I'm sure I'm anxious, I'm that completely gets wiped away and you're completely in the total unknowing but it's an unknowing of like i'm unknown I, there's unknowing and i got there's nothing i can do about it <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean and, and and so now if you stay there let's say yeah knowing is the it, yeah the idea that you're knowing that knowing is important yeah. is what gets broken right <laughs> that's, exactly that's what becomes important is yeah. the knowing is that's important mm -hmm. when you when you swing to the other side let's say you never come back and i actually think i have a buddy that swung to the other side and didn't come back to an equilibrium enough you end up in uh magical thinking you end up in kind of like a paranoid like um you start thinking that everything's speaking to you in a way and you take it that a little too seriously like oh this guy on the tv told me to um, to you know, join a, a Ponzi scheme, and so I'm gonna do it. Like you swing so much on the other end of you know uncertainty that you're open to everything, but you kind of can't function. And so that the word that comes to mind is magical thinking, or just sort of you know 
and schizophrenia maybe would be that side and so the the I wish I knew the name of the guy he's somebody out of UC Berkeley but the the unified theory of of mental health is finding your balance between those two worlds and and be and having the flexibility to go somewhere but still find your anchor go into the very structured I've got it all figured out but kind of have the awareness that you're there and come back to your quote center centerless center swing into the magical thinking maybe doing it with psychedelic drugs maybe doing it with meditation or you know whatever with therapy guided therapy but come back to your center so as you were I couldn't help but that just popped up I couldn't help but dive into that when you were talking about your own sort of um raw rough experience with being introduced to that through through in your own world through through psychedelics and and meth and and uh, mdma of like um it finally gives you a chance to swing through that spectrum more than in just being stuck in the depression or the you know yeah, I was going to actually comment on the word on swing because whether it's personal or uh, collective, societal, there's a, there's that issue of swinging the, the two polarities, right? Because it's kind of like uh, uh, using a metaphor of emergency emergency surgery that mm-hmm. if it's needed, it's needed, and that's where drugs come in, and then of course what drugs we're we talking about is part of the question, but uh, it's it's life performing emergency sur- uh, surgery on somebody that doesn't know yeah. that they have a problem or you know that or that they're getting emergency surgery mm-hmm. so it's not to the person to be describing this except to 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 uh, contextualize it that it's kind of like Paul talking over the head right it's because it, you're not going to determine whether you need emergency spiritual surgery and yeah. who knows somebody's going to misuse the idea like oh yeah I do need it you know, yeah. but behind that is like, like one of the earliest experiments on LSD was the Marsh Chapel experiment, and you know they didn't have much context for what and they did like make a nice environment, good music and stuff like that. Uh, so I don't know if my story is totally accurate, but uh, but what was surprising was like nine out of ten of the of the people that were involved went on to become like spiritual practitioners or something, you know, uh. Pa- uh, pastors or whatever. Uh-huh. So the not seeking something from the drug in fact they were in service for the for the experiment mm-hmm. part, possibly part of it right yeah. that uh that didn't get stuck in the loop of of, of trying to fix themselves by taking the drug yeah, or <laughs> yeah or or needing the happiness that they already know drugs provide and when it, the happiness turns out to be so much better than <laughs> you know, anybody ever suggested they forget they don't listen to the people about the consequences and become <laughs> yeah. drug addicts yeah so yeah, you can't you can't dismiss drugs, uh, but those two sides, right? That you know, it's kind of like we we already consciousness has already experienced that as a separate limited experience, you know, imagining itself in, in, as a human being. Already knows it's not because it has to eat other life, mm-hmm. right? So it's already already part of that cycle of taking something from outside of yourself and you know, taste and, and nutrition and whatever, it's all right there. Yeah. But we're deadened and lost to that. So there's a there's that volume of drugs that is also eating. They all come from life already it's anyway. It's an extension of the same. So yeah, yeah. so it's it just had to become louder because we had, got, we're, you know, we were 
experiencing approaching those limits of limitation mm -hmm. that you know you know and that's on the one hand that's pretty severe and loud but it's for you know just this thing that can't really be put in words because obviously it wasn't uh, it, it, it wasn't enough for humans in our story for yeah. food to be enough to show us our oneness with life and, yeah, yeah. And, we did and, something and that peace and joy that you know that some people you know or some some of life as people experience you know yeah you know so uh yeah because i just get concerned and, and wonder how to put the drug experiences you know in, in, in words that uh it is you know don't do drugs if you know if 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 you can hear hear the warnings and it's for you not to do drugs i don't even know how to say it yeah <laughs> obviously if it's for you to drug do drugs you're going to do them yeah no exactly but just be really careful with the consequences and because and because getting back to that spectrum you can end up in the magical schizophrenic yeah, world yeah, all and kinds you of... can get stuck there yeah um and yeah i tried to kill myself and stuff like that that yeah. was uh, you know the opposite of magical but <laughs> so there's all kinds of severe yeah. consequences that like that's why the emergency surgery kind of makes sense. It's like, you don't do that. You, know, you don't day. treat it like uh, plastic surgery. Yeah. You know, it's something that's kind of, some kind of care. But then if you're like, if you're too careful a person, that's why you need drugs. <laughs> <laughs> there's no answer. Yeah, the, there's no answer. the end yeah. of yeah. all of it. But yeah. yeah. No, and I think it's just, it's socially responsible to be like, don't ever go out and do a psychedelic drug because of any story I say or any right, story one right. else says, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and we're lucky enough to live in a time where um, I, you can do it responsibly, I think, and I think more and more you're going to be able to do it. You know, MAPS, the multiple disciplinary study for psychedelics, that there, we may be in the place where you can do psilocybin or MDMA in California. Yeah, that might be part of the, like, the collective emergency surgery right yes exactly i was thinking that when so you were talking about it's not that, that it's yeah. not what's needed mm -hmm. you know but in the end to be putting that out there about hey you know this swinging thing that uh what we're not in order to be what it's not has to swing back and forth from one, yeah. from one side to the other yeah. and and uh so yeah is it, is it really needed and and care the care that needs to be put there too yeah exactly so that's all, always default to safety and you know please don't ever uh say that you did something because of my recommendation because i ain't recommending it i'm, I'm right. reporting you know it's the same thing in the non-dual world like hey uh you want to go listen to hundreds of hours i don't know i've listened to hundreds i probably have by this point of zen bitch slap you know and, and you'll get <laughs> you'll end up in some sort getting some sort of the benefit that i got out of it like don't do that like just listen yeah. to your freaking heart first but i am reporting hey i listened to hundreds of hours of <laughs> ball talking and it created a whole lot of traveling lighter and a whole lot of you know cool fruits oh, yeah. from the tree of this you know yeah, no, little it, story and to get okay with what's being said up to this point and not to be worried overly worried about what's going to be taken out there because you had your experience with what no escape was initially a uh a depressing term right yeah, uh, yeah. what do you call it uh there's no escape yeah, it's just, yeah. yeah depressing whatever as opposed to that escher like flip where you realize oh just accepting that which isn't real can't escape mm -hmm. you know and without making it seem real Totally. And there's some it's sort of totally different. There's some sort of empathy and compassion here for 
remember being on the other side of yeah. it and hearing, hey, there's no escape and the terror that <laughs> that yeah. seemingly yeah, yeah. put in. And yeah. So I don't want to go to someone to say, hey, there's no escape. But at the same time, from where I seem to stand, hey, there's no escape. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> the and greatest the tr- news. And to trust, you know, and trust, you know, uh, nothingness, no preconception or whatever. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to say to somebody, you know, the wisdom of no escape in the context of them being relieved, you know, the, you know that they'll hear it yeah. and not take it the other way. Yeah. It's important to be relieved ourselves, right? Yeah. It's like one, okay. one thing that I, I would always emphasize for people now is openness means listening for what something is saying for you. You know, as opposed uh, to this idea that, that you know you're really supposed to understand, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and be open. You know, how can I be open to this if you know at the same time because you're creating layers or whatever of crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just a momentary um, uh, value mm-hmm. that, uh, like on the last Zambich slap video, there was some snarky commenter uh, that used the word bullcrap, you know, to describe Paul's talk or something. Mm-hmm. But he also mentioned something else. You know, like, is anybody getting out of this? Or something that didn't sound like it was not wanting some valuable participation. Mm-hmm. Somebody else did think that and called him a troll, but whatever. Yeah. And and so I phrased in my response that what I just said about openness, being listening for what something's saying for you, and it might be just uh, a segment. You know, and it's equally value with, valuable with that is, or uh, not valuable, but equal what that also is is not having to be contrary mm-hmm. you know like recognizing contrariness is keeping you from hearing what is being said for you exactly right yeah uh and, and to me that it's probably the way i'm going to go mo- most most often that allows me to be present to know that something is is for me and you like for me to say it mm. is already it needs to be said you know for for the life's experience as me and then trusting as best as i can that obviously there's no you me so it's for you in the way that it's going to seem to be for you like, like i'm like totally surprised right <laughs> paul says this about how people come back to him yeah. right <laughs> but without that present relief seemingly as me then I'm not sharing that in the moment. Exactly. Right. So that's the best way it comes out for me. Is like listen for what's because that's and I use and I learned this in AA, you know, because um, you know openness is a big big deal there, and I you know just would make me mad um, that like when the suggestion one day at a time didn't make any sense. Like what are these people talking about? You know, like the day is so long. Yeah. Well, that's a long. That's a long fucking time, and they're pretending like (laughs) they're pretending like that makes sense. Yeah, you know? but what I realized for me, but that when this openness thing happened, that something that makes that seemed workable made sense to me is I could get through whatever s- segment that seemed to be tempting me that I needed to use. Like if I had to go out for an evening, okay, you know, to be around people and socialize and stuff, but I can get you know get through that. That's evening. your day. Yeah, it was yeah, a I was, I'm just of, thinking one moment at yeah. a time would be another way of saying it or something. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, and, yeah and certainly yeah. that made more sense. Yeah. You know, although then that became the existential yeah uh, forever thing. Oh, for a second oh my god <laughs> that's not, not but, but you you broke it down into a digestible thing for you 
yeah. I'm going to go out and I'm going to come back and that's yeah. my one day at a time. Yeah. That's my victory. Exactly. And so that's how you, so yeah. instead of being contrary to how something is said or whether other people are going to be being fake or or, or um, having having a cow, you know sheep like submission to it, you know, and they don't even know what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> they're just repeating it. Yeah. Instead of concentrating on that the avenue of what is it saying for me, but it has to be equal with recognizing the dropping of of the, the the assumption that you have to be skeptical and devil's advocate and contrary or because you're essentially being suspicious of some of life of these other people. Yeah. Yeah. When exactly. something is being said. Uh-huh. And so the, to get to that place of it's you know, so it's all kind of circled around. So it's trust, right? That you can't be open if you're not trusting. Yeah. So this is all contextualized, but that that element of gosh, you know, like I, I want to be available and allow the best opportunity for you to hear what's meant for you. And this yeah. person did reply with, "Oh, thanks. You sound, you know, like you're in a good place." Yeah. You didn't like the other person. You know? <laughs> calling <laughs> calling him a troll and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, that's kind of a hinge point with because you know obviously that for you that's taboo as far as like you know suggesting to anybody that there's a you there you know like, yeah, uh, yeah but yeah. so that's all that's a background too I mean, it's all exactly <laughs> it's yeah holy <laughs> shit okay uh, you just went on an amazing run right there. <laughs> i love that yeah. i i don't always go back and listen i'm gonna go back and find that timestamp because you you okay so i've said this before i said this earlier to share i've said this is the highest compliment coming from me. Um, I know it can be, again, we're getting right back to what you're just talking about. Some people could take this as being an insult. It's not. This is a very high compliment coming from me and my <laughs> predilection. When, when you talk, when you go on a stream of consciousness like that, I only can get in those places when I'm high. Oh. When, when, when I'm on an edible, when, and I shouldn't say I only can, but it's much easier to when I'm on an edible. And, when you talk there's similar to almost like paul i see the mental state trying to grab on to (laughs) things and it's slippery in such a way but it makes sense in another way that's so cool and that's i I, i'm again my last thing i want to do is make you feel (laughs) self-conscious no that's actually a gift because self-consciousness embarrassment would probably be a big thing of uh what i'm not history Okay. And of so the funny us. opportunity to see self-consciousness as opposed to, like Paul would say, be, be uh, what's it called? You know, at it, see, at seeing it, from it. From, from, yeah, on the other side of it or whatever, within it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not the seeing of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, the, you know, the golden oldie thing, it's, it's yes. always going to, not always going to be there, but... Uh, I'm worthless. I'm unlovable. I, yeah. Everybody, I'm the outsider. You know, everyone's laughing at me. Yeah, whatever. It just, yeah. It's just so, uh, so, so I'm, I'm sure life is going to seem to present plenty of opportunities. Of course. To re, 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 um, what do you call that? Uh, give it a different meaning. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Recontextualize yeah, it. Yeah. It's a great way, yeah. like you've been saying. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, um, like Paul talks about, uh, the day that you hit rock bottom was the worst day of your life. And mm-hmm. you look back on it and it becomes the best day of your life. So yeah. It's yeah. like, so like, it's like when you say the mental state trying, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like I can almost, and, and so that's why there's the need to talk 
on different tangents and points, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's the best way to, to, to do some kind of a creative mandala or something like that. Totally. Instead of uh, really hashing out some node that mm-hmm. doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when you, <laughs> when you That's said... That's a great fucking metaphor. I love that. Yeah. The mandala. So, like, when you, when, you, <laughs> when you say that you don't want to make yourself conscious, <laughs> I can feel uh-huh. that still realm of... of I mean, it's not even a realm because it's it it it's wanted to go into a room or something like that. Mm. It wants to create. Like right now, me trying to say something. Uh-huh. You know, like the best way I could say it is like I I mean I kind of can remember. How much more self-conscious? This is like being on acid. <laughs> I feel like I'm on it right now. That's I get, I'm, I'm hot. Whenever I talk to you, I'm basically high. Or no, more like pot because I would get paranoid on pot. So I, it feels similar. you, you, you and pot are like cousins. Or like your yeah. consciousness and that. Yes. So if you I touch get, similar places into here. it, you know, like that would be it is is um different than just like okay well i don't have to fall i mean i'm not even saying i don't have to fall into it yeah it's just uh it's available to see it yeah and it's available to see it i always say from pot all the time it's like you're stuck in it and then you you know especially on an edible you then come up you're stuck in the basketball and then pot brings you above the basketball and you see it from all angles yeah you go oh my god i was so convinced you know, the the classic example is I was so convinced that this person is trying to fuck me or have a resentment or that I'm totally screwed about this financial thing or this, this, and that. And then, you know, pot, or it doesn't always have to be pot. Maybe it can be Mike Z. Maybe it can be something else. <laughs> will take you above it and you go, oh, my God, I was stuck in this thing. And now not only can I see one perspective that I'm separate from it. I see a million other opportunities. Yeah. Well, that's that... what it becomes funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you laugh. As opposed to just one that's kind of going back and forth. Yeah. Like, yeah, like if people are, are talking about you, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're just stuck on that one. Uh-huh. And the funny thing is that you have, it is giving you the opportunity, it is getting to see it because that's happening all the time and you just don't pay attention exactly. to yes. that, uh-huh. right? Yeah, the, so now the, you're like, your, your spotlight is on one little piece of what's available. This is an Alan Watts thing. And then the floodlight comes in, yeah. and you see all the surrounding yeah. stuff that was there, but yeah. you just weren't conscious of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I um, like what did Paul say when we were at that dinner, and I had talked about the relapsed, mm-hmm. and he said uh, that you know, but you're different. <laughs> you know? So I like there was an, that was more of a self-conscious reaction. Like, okay. Like, kind of I wonder. him more meaning, you know, uh-huh. and. Uh, and like I'm, so, I still remember that. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. You know, so that is kind of an interesting experience. Th- that way. Mm-hmm. It's so funny how so much of his stuff is completely impersonal. Like he's the most impersonal yeah. teacher yeah. I've ever found anywhere. And th- some of the little personal things, just he says in passing, I'm sure he never thinks twice about, have stuck with right, me right. in that same way, right? On yeah. either side, you know. Uh, one thing that sticks in my head is he was talking about um, the, his flying squirrel suit idea, right? And uh, he goes, that's the way I want to go out. You know, put me in the flying squirrel suit, uh, hit the the um, the morphine button, right? He goes, well, I have to trust somebody that will that will hit the button. And he, he looked around the table and he goes, Nick, 
you hit the button. <laughs> that for some reason stuck with me. Oh, as something that bothered you? No, no. Oh, as as a, like I felt like he trusts me. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> like, like something particular. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was like a, I could think of a negative one. Of, there's probably a few, but that was the one of like like ah. Uh, in the end, to to hit the button of whether you know to kill him basically is what he's saying. But to hit the button, he trusts me, and that uh, it's a weird and all the teachings and all the cool stuff that one little weird personal thing is stuck yeah. here, you know. And it's, but, it, it provides up because like the like the pot example of how it's just always going on, but you and when you get to see it, it can make you paranoid because you're just stuck on that one. Yeah. It's because like the besides the self consciousness that has its duality of social anxiety. Yeah. Right, because okay. I can only be self-conscious if I'm wondering, obviously, about how other people are thinking about me, unless yeah. I get stuck in my own mind. That seems to be revealing this stuff, but it's mm-hmm. the same thing. And that, so, that's like, other your example, and 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 uh, looking at you too, actually, when Pardon? you're stuck in your own mind, it's it's the imaginary yeah, it's an, character, it's the dualism or Nick projected. examining consciousness. <laughs> yeah, because it uh, so like with you and Paul, I actually have an example where <laughs> when he when you mentioned how many kids you had, and he said something like. Oh, you better stop having them. Yeah, <laughs> you better stop that. I had, you know, whatever uh, uh, anxiety. Oh, really? That's so th- funny. That you were offended or something like that. Oh yeah. You know? yeah. No, well, so so being a young guy with so many kids, I get so many examples of reactions. Yeah. You know, so most of it's funny. So his reaction is was just kind of par for the course. A lot of the reactions are. Oh, it's surprise and oh wow, you have so many kids. Why do you have so many kids? Or, yeah. And a lot of older guys will go, you need to stop having kids. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the jokes will come in. You need me to teach you how to use a condom and all the. And it's just it doesn't do do anything to me because that's become par for the course. The surprises are when people aren't surprised that I have a lot of kids. There's two I can think of, and one really stands out in my mind because I talked about him earlier today. One of my all-time heroes out there, my favorite podcaster, is uh, Pete Holmes. I've yeah, talked to you yeah, about yeah, him before. Yeah, yeah, and Patrick, you talked about. Yeah, him yeah, too. right. Yeah, and I talked with him earlier about Sharon. With Sharon, um, so I met him outside of uh, Cobb's Comedy Club right here in the city, right? Um, and uh, I I went to his show, and then he came out afterwards, and he was taking pictures of people, and I waited patiently, and once he'd taken all the pictures, I went up, I gave him a couple books, um, <clears throat> I gave him one of Paul's books. Oh, cool. yeah. Which one? Uh, the um, the having never left. Yeah, yeah, the most recent one. Um, and then mm. we we talked a little bit, and I gave him the like, hey, because he's been in my life <coughs> longer than Paul, longer than he, I've I've been listening to his podcast for six years, well maybe six and a half now, and I said, hey man, like his podcast comes out every Wednesday, it still does to this day. I just listened to it earlier today. Um, I said, for a lot of years, your podcast was like my church service. Like mm-hmm. When I had nothing, I knew at least I had one little anchor I could go and check in with this guy who just speaks to my... And I've got to watch his evolution, you know, over the six years, and it's paralleled mine in a lot of ways. It's just totally cool. And he was so warm and so, like, you know, like, oh, that's so cool, man. He gave me a hug. I remember he gave me, like, four hugs because mm-hmm. he kept going, like, I would say something. He'd go, oh, let me come in for another hug. <laughs> he kept counting up three hugs. And then I told him, I said, you know, I have five kids and this, this, and that. And he wasn't surprised. He's one of the only people ever <laughs> that he was just like, that's really cool. There was no, like, whoa, no shock, no nothing. It was just, like, for some reason to him, it just made sense that I had five kids. Yeah, you know, that's like, a perfect yeah. example. Where yeah. that, that stuck. You and know I don't realize I mean? that it's only my 
meaning or of interpretation. Course. Yeah, because in your world, right? you have no kids, so yeah. having five kids is uh, something that I would be very self-conscious about. And, yeah, so yeah. Like, he would be the perfect foil to this conversation. And then the me knowing that doesn't get anywhere, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. I, oh, I should know better, you know? <laughs> All right? Or, I'm, you know, maybe I'm making him uncomfortable and he wasn't even uncomfortable in the first mm-hmm. place or... So that's all that pot paranoia stuff, right? Absolutely. As opposed to, you know, like, because he's a comedian, right? I mean, yeah. Right? So, he, uh-huh. you know, and you Just would like, never cool. make... Makes sense. <laughs> and, like, you would never add to that and make somebody feel bad. You would be just like him. You wouldn't have, you know... Yeah. Just just be that peaceful, really exactly. place, right? He comes from the improv world, too, which I think that... that I, I love... Yeah, yeah, people that are, that are really into improv... Robin Williams is maybe the ultimate example... People that are really into improv, I see a very spiritually type thing too of the the whole uh, philosophy of yes and. I love to say that all the time in life. I always go like, I'll say something absurd and then somebody goes, "What the hell?" I'm like, "Can you just yes and me?" Like, you know. And I do that with my kids too. Yeah. They'll they'll say totally crazy things and I'll just be like, you know, I'll just yes and them like, "Oh yeah," and then I'll add on to it. Yeah. No, that's one of the that's one of the best things. Like, supposedly the Buddha would always say yes that's to somebody that brought up something yes that's true and yeah you know, and didn't you know because it never it. it never becomes the truth it's just a truth and yeah, yeah. exactly because that's fucking life right like you're never going to reach the end there's never and that's the kind of extra like thing that like you there's you actually can't be any communication between like the yes and both and not excluding no right <laughs> you can't reach and that end. which will only uh, but but see like even saying it right now, yeah. s- since it's not excluding no, I can't see uh, somebody trying to insist on a no. That's it. As a no. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of time, so to speak. Yeah. To it's whether, all relative. And yeah, you know, it's a yeah. matter of time it, 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 whether they want to become agreeable, or uh, hear the, what's for them being said. Yeah. Whatever. And you just and you just let it go, yeah. if you know, because you're not interested in knowing. I mean, n o dash i n g with somebody, <laughs> so you let them go on, go their way in peace, okay. yeah. right? And <laughs> if they if, if there's a real them doing that, it really was just about you, right? Exactly. So just allowing even that knowing. So two things. Two <laughs> two things hit for me big time on that. Is one, it reminds me of Paul saying you'll lose interest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does, right? Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> well, on, on the Zoom, on, I think it was Saturday, I don't remember, somebody was getting it, into it with them big time about, um, well, what is intention or what is, what is, what is attention? Is, do you control the attention or where is the birthplace of int- attention or whatever? And he entertained it for a little bit. And then he started going like, yeah, and are you noticing I'm kind of losing interest in, <laughs> in this discussion right now? Like, yeah. yeah. You see how it's kind of just not interesting to me anymore? That's kind of what it is. He was trying to use a real-life example, and this guy was very interested and very intent on getting to the purpose of intention or the purpose of interest, right? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, so he was like giving – the real world example of like I'm losing interest in this discussion <laughs> that's yeah. that's what it's like that's what losing interest in self is like self trying to lose interest in self is a whole lot of interest in self losing interest is just kind of the just like okay we're we we, we beat the dead horse <laughs> <laughs> and it yeah. was what it was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that came in for me when you were talking about that was back to pa- my uh 
my podcast with Patrick, he I won't do it justice, but he dove into all the different ways that you can, all the different uh, traditions or techniques that point back to non-duality or you know, pick your poison, emptiness, void, all. And one of the ones he used was logic, and that you can. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, you oh, remember, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. really cool, right? What the presumption that. It starts with A is is A. Yeah. <laughs> I never heard that one before. You that can't cool. get around that basically. <laughs> like you know, and, yeah. and so the uh, your little spiel felt like a an extension of that same, you know, uh you can go a million different ways but you gotta have a seeming starting point. Right? And that seeming starting point has to come out of for lack of a better way to say it, nothing. <laughs> Emptiness. Mm-hmm. Void. You know, nothing. And and you can uh the I guess sort of mental, you know, they call it yana yoga, using the mind to go beyond the mind. Technique is you just go and examine. Can you find, you know, can you get behind a thought? Can you get behind? Yeah. You know, can you... Uh, you know Michael Taft? No. He's okay. a local meditation teacher, right non-dual, you know, kind of well-known. Local San Francisco. Yeah, he actually right has something here. Um, and I was watching a video of his where. He was presenting a map after a lot of disqualifiers about how you never do that, yeah. right? You know, why you don't do that. <laughs> how people want to get to the end of the map right away and whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's like it has this helpful Gotta context. Gotta something, yeah. And, it, it, and it, it's broken down into four. So it's like the, you know, the first is the cognitive level. The last is just awareness. Not as a level anyway, but uh, that's what number four anyway. And then... Two is uh, uh, perceptual, or you know, like instead of you know having a concept of an apple, you actually taste and mm-hmm. you experience red or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, but anyway, so I only did the first one, and he was inclusive and didn't poo-poo thinking, and he actually called it uh, concept meditation. Yeah. And the point is, though, that you know you're not jumping back and forth like you know if you've got a problem at this store, you know that uh that you i mean in, 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 if you take the time aside right you're, so you're not going to do it at the store while you're having the problem yeah. but you can like s- step aside and like okay why did i think i have that problem and you know what is the nature of problem and you can just really totally. you know and you can go through those le- levels those yeah. layers yeah so that that can it's kind of like by would be a byron katie is that true exactly you know, so i probably, freaking love that yeah as far as a useful tool and her set of questions is that true yeah. that's great yeah that's, and that you know and and that inclusiveness that michael tapp was was displaying by that it was really cool and i took it as an opportunity to go to greg um because um i just like finding areas where we could, might be able to, where it occurs to me to intersect mm-hmm. in vocabulary or what i find out hear something said that i could tell him and so this this was and he used the example of where do you come from mm. Uh, to hmm. cognitively meditate and so some people might go the direction of parents and geography yeah. and some totally. people about you know, being made out of matter matter we come from the birth death of stars or the birth yeah, of stars yeah, yeah. the big bang so the, that would all so essentially that all is a circular unifying experience right yeah. that you know it's not going to go anywhere and that's no. that's you know if you know similar to drugs that can not be something that you suggest people do (laughs) but for those that that is gonna you know produce it like oh you know uh a a less separate feeling literally right because 
you know, your parents and dead stars are the same thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And in a way it's all about where do you, where do you divide it? Where do you pick yeah. the starting and ending points? Yeah. Because it is all relative actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like, and so he knows I'm big on non-duality, so I'm not just leaving it at, uh, uh, just the cognitive. Um, but I'm also needing to be like, uh, what he enjoys. That's why I inserted off like I'm gonna do a lounge act for you. Because yeah, you, <laughs> you, you know, the lounge you go up to somebody, hey, where do you come from? Yeah, right? yeah. So that's how I started it. <laughs> and non duality role play. I love it. <laughs> yeah. and, and but the end of it was you know, in the in the present now, do you you know, I essentially said, Do you come from anything other than me or the question I asked, where do you come from? Mm-hmm. Right? It's just we, yeah. we are that for each other relationship is yes. there is n- nothing. And this, nothing this was also because this has been important for me that I am the experience I am equals and equals can be like a bridge the rest of life all of life has its focus in an I right mm-hmm. that is nothing except the rest of life except, right yes and holy shit. the I am is the experience I'm, I'm high right of now, the rest dude. of life yeah? <laughs> yeah yeah so why wouldn't I want to try to find a way to share that with Greg you know that you know, balancing that, you know, like, like I, uh, uh, yeah, you know, speaking of self-conscious is like superiority, uh, complex, you know, like, like I should tell, you know, and I don't, I have such a great time, like compared to AA, like, you know, how we were supposed to relate, like whether you're supposed to have alcohol in the house or whether I was supposed to express my feelings about whether you had alcohol in the house, yeah, you, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and the non-duality, you don't, uh, you, you know, you no keep letting, yeah, you keep letting go of any, <laughs> preconception of any future totally. like how am I going to absolutely you know and if I have a how how am I going to it just arises and goes away right yeah yes <laughs> and so, so I was able to go have a lounge jack with him <laughs> yeah <laughs> man. so as you were talking about that what, what was coming up for me was going back to when a lot of the big non-duality fireworks first started coming up between uh your guy Fred Davis finding Fred Davis and then a couple months later I found this other guy Michael Rodriguez and then I found Paul um Paul's been sort of the end of the road so far yeah, didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which i think he'd be proud to yeah, hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the last answer uh, <laughs> at least for now um but w- that i would the the realizations would pop up right and and there would be i think going back to the unified um theory of mental health i think this is very much on the magic the magical thinking schizophrenia side is you want to share it with people mm. right and, yeah. and that's something I, I saw in my buddy that that became a little unhinged was it was like a we need to go change the world yeah you know and that that's a almost a um a uh, a cliche of the 60s right we got to put lsd in the water we need everybody to see what we're seeing right, right. you know and um so that can come in the non-dual realizations where you go I want to share it with everybody, right? And that can create a whole lot of suffering because you're going to go seemingly try to share it with them. They're not going to get it. You're going to feel alone and you're going to go back to thinking that you're crazy, which is a great reason why having a sangha is so freaking amazing that you gather once a week and you, for me personally, for the action figure, you know, oh, I'm not crazy. There's other people that, you know, resonate with this and, you know, this podcast and this is an extension of sharing more of that. Um, But I was thinking about that of like, uh, over time, the realizations, as you were saying, can pop up, and you can go, is there an opportunity where it would be useful, skillful, you know, easy to kind of share this with someone? 
Um, and then very quick, there's not a lot of energy on it. Just like, no, there isn't. Cool. That one was just, that one was just for me. <laughs> that one was just for the, you know, cool. And, and what I've noticed over time is I'm connecting with people at work in not the kind of world in a construction male testosterone dominant world. Um, there are a few females out there too, but, uh, that you would not think people would be into talking about this kind of shit, you know, this philosophical, you know, seemingly stuff that I'm finding so many people that mm. are really open to it, you know, and it, it blows my mind. I could not have ever imagined. And you've seen, I've brought a, f- a few to talks and, you know, I've, I've sent the videos to a few and, and, uh, it, it just, it, it's never ceases to surprise me, you know, that there's a lot of people out there that this, um, contextualizes, this frames a mystery that's been going on <laughs> in their consciousness for a while. And, well, uh, if it happened to, yeah, in, in this experience, I can't imagine why it wouldn't be yeah, really available know. to a lot of people. Exactly, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. When, you, when you're on the magical end of the spectrum, you just go, how does everyone not get it? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then... Well, and not then, how do they not get it, but how yeah. do they, it must not be working in them somehow. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, that's, yeah. 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 And, and not, yeah, not being the agent so much <laughs> exactly and just it has to be happening so why do i need to be <laughs> yeah i know well that's the thing too is yeah. it is happening whether you know you talk about it or not yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's kind of like that openness and that trusting I, I you know i'm i have to use the word um being available noticing pleasure yes, yes. as 100%. as seemingly this experience yeah so you know instead of censoring oh greg's gonna think this or that you know noticing a kind of joy that is play, you know, kind of comes across as playful for me, mm-hmm. you know, that totally kind of, that, that's the way that I can start to appreciate it, I guess. So I don't have like pure joy, like, you know, it, it kind of usually has to be, uh, uh, made a little funny or something like that. Sure, yeah. Silly. I like <laughs> yeah, silly. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so like the lounge jack. I'm going to go do the lounge jack. Right. Yeah. But, but that's, that's what I mean. But that kind of like, back you know that's joyful enough that's pleasurable enough you know and then and then that self-reinforcing trusting right then you're gonna mm-hmm. do it again and again and it doesn't you know you don't have to go take you don't have to take drugs it, yeah. you appreciate that little level of connection play uh so yeah just example of food would be the best like uh, charles eisenhower had, had has one of my most unbelievable meditative uh exercises so to speak uh, it's a food yoga prog- program he has I already told you about it. I think you have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I just, like it. You know, and in fact, you actually use expectation, not against itself, but with itself. <laughs> so, okay. like, you know, going to take a taste of food, expect what it's going to taste like. Yeah. And he totally tricked me because uh, I had, I, this is not, because it was new, you know, like as soon as you hear something, then you start to think you know what it means. Yeah. So I had, didn't know what this meant. <laughs> and then taking a bite of food and realizing that I, for the first time, that I, that expectation had nothing to do with what it was actually like, uh, right? Yeah. So, uh, and that's that's what he uses. That's what he uses the term pleasure. So instead of dieting and control and unaware of, you know, all that stuff that's driving you unconsciously shoving food in your face, yeah, yeah. you trust pleasure. Mm-hmm. So you just really, you know, be present with a taste. Yeah. And. Um, I mean that's, you know, it doesn't say say a lot, but yeah, well, it doesn't, but but it's it's huge. Yeah, exactly. That's the it, point. Well, yeah. in so many ways, I mean, so the 
the the grossest not gross like gross but like the biggest example is um you get pleasure out of buying the diet book right and you're right you know what i mean and, and you have all these plans about starting the diet and losing the weight and then you never read the book right <laughs> but but you yeah. got the pleasure hits of you know i got a plan to lose weight right and then now there's many steps down the road and what i'm saying i think at the end of that road for me personally um is just can i can i taste this food and enjoy it because you can enjoy damn near everything you can enjoy it a carrot can taste sweet and amazing, yeah. right? You know, and you never have a real preconception. I mean, we think we have a preconception, but you actually yeah. you you don't know it until you're eating it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You can think about it. You can yeah. watch videos. You know, it's a whole. I I love Anthony Bourdain was one of my favorite. Mm. You know, I've watched every single one of his shows multiple times over, and I have this cool little um, history with him. Of I would watch his show late at night to when the kids want when the babies want to go to sleep to keep me awake. So I always kind of watch it in this somewhat psychedelic sleepy state of like mm-hmm. being on low sleep with my baby watching anthony bourdain but it the joke is it's food porn right because you can't taste the food but you're watching mm-hmm. all this amazing yeah. food and you know and you're removed from it in that certain way um and then food becomes this in it's a drug of course hugely a drug right and all the expectations set around it and all the stuff and when it really comes down to it uh you know it, it's the taste in the moment that you're tasting it and there, like you said, you can't, no matter what uh, promise, I, I love, oh, fuck. <laughs> Have you heard of the book, um, Why Buddhism is True by Robert Wright? I think so. Yeah. But I don't know it. It's the coolest Western take, I think, on Buddhism. And he talks about how um, evolution is designed, and it makes perfect sense, is designed to overpromise and underdeliver. Oh, we've talked about we've this. We've talked about this. When we went to this, like the Green Apple Bookstore. That yeah, time yeah, was yeah. Dinner. Uh-huh. That. yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so, food is an example. Your mind tells you that chocolate cake will be the ultimate answer. <laughs> like it'll be your happiness. It'll bring you, you know, peace and yada yada yada. And then you go and you eat the chocolate cake. And then normally you're so stuck on the idea of what the evolutionary brain told you it was going to bring you you're not actually paying attention to the taste in right. the moment right yeah. and and you know sex is the same thing and and you know it over promises and and can under deliver you know now the 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 buddhism little hack on it is actually if you see that drive it has you know it has its own drive it has its own purpose that's its evolution it's survival and re and uh and passing on your genes to the next generation. If you, you 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 realize it will never bring you the happiness it promises, and then this is kind of maybe my own little take on it. There's a greater peace and contentment and happiness beyond any of the promises of, you know, that biology of that evolutionary drive of that mental state, and that's kind of the the punchline of of his little book there. But now all that was coming up for me when you're talking about like, you know, what's the best diet plan possible? sit there and taste your food <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah and yeah and again like michael taft though that uh to point out and not be contrary to there is pleasure in getting the diet book yeah okay, exactly know? yeah yeah yeah. And don't deny that or yeah. say that you're bad like no that's the brain you just emphasize that exactly. actually in yeah, a way yeah, and yeah. then and then maybe the best way is to suggest and there can be a shortening 
of the time mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. there's this time equals suffering essentially to me. And you can see it for what it is. Yeah. You don't believe the promise that it's actually. Yeah. It's yeah. your, you know, your, your experience. I mean, anybody. In, your subjective Yeah, you want somebody to have their own experience. That's mm -hmm. the idea, mm -hmm. you know. And it can be as simple as the food thing. Yeah. And, and even like so-called appreciating that about negative things that like, oh, you know, like if I break down, you know, so-called break down to a smaller time period and not have like, and question the preconception that I already know what this is like. Yeah. Like, uh, like the first time I think it happened to me was Greg uh, jiggles his leg like this, mm -hmm. and uh, I was seeing him doing that, and I I I was irritated. Of course, I was irritated at him, right? Like, why would I be irritated if it's not at somebody being a victim of something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And annoyed that I, you know, can be so petty. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was probably obvious to like maybe you and anybody listening is. That, that all was irritation, right? Mm -hmm. I saw the irritation that was, you could say, was in my mind. Yeah. In the Supposedly, mind. given the blessing of seeing it out there in a tangible way, but while it's insisting that it's out there and being done to it, yes. that's the irritation as opposed to, like, let's say, floating above the mind yeah. and, and not personalizing it, right? That's it. And, and his leg actually stopped. <laughs> That's a good yeah. story, anyway. <laughs> so that could be kind of like you know the coaxing, the gentle, kind patience, whether it's with another person or your present experience, like somehow narrowing it, seemingly, mm -hmm. which to the mind is going to sound claustrophobic and like fuck you, like you know I'm not going to uh -huh. you know narrow this down. Yeah. But that's where the, the it's almost like there is a narrowing. It, yeah. That you're not doing. That, yeah. yeah. So if I give up my idea of preconceptions of, you know, leg jiggling having, I probably did this, leg jiggling having to mean uh, uncomfortable, like how do I know what meaning he's giving it? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so if it's not bothering him, why why does it have to bother me? It's mm -hmm. you know, assuming that it definitely means irritation. Yeah. Or discomfort you, or whatever. You're right. convinced why am I? Yeah. Well, I mean, like a baby is what the baby gonna yeah. <laughs> do with the jiggling leg? Like, oh, that's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So create without meaning with opportunity, it. like to re. To, to question, right? Mm -hmm. that, that that opened that that window on a narrow narrower time field, right? Just this, and then just like a a completely empty looking at irritation. But that's not irritation, though. If you're, if you're no, looking at it, you're, you're not in it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. You're like a scientist examining irritation. Yeah. And you see, and like Paul will talk about it sometimes. I really like it. You see the the manufacturing of it. Yeah. I like that. You yeah. see, w w once you've seen the manufacturing of self this thing that you're completely con you've been completely convinced you are a self called Mike Z or Dick Nick Nick Bebo you're completely convinced of it and then once you see that it's actually manufactured you go oh shit I was convinced I was that product yeah. <laughs> and now I saw the making of that product so what saw the making of that product that's yeah. yeah and it's, it's so peaceful it's just so I know. <laughs> it's so, it's so uh... Yeah, I know. And and I talked with it earlier. I talked about it earlier with Sharon that the big shift, and I've talked with Keith about this too, that the thing that's been landing for me big on the talks is when he talks about, you know, the selfing, that process, um, will will never seemingly stop, just like your heart won't stop beating, just like the lungs won't stop breathing, but that process, you know, seemed to it's it, your whole life seemed to imply a self and a a shift happens <laughs> the cart is you know seen to be the horse is seen to be in front of the cart 
and the same process now is all used to oh yeah yeah we, when we went at our reunion in uh, uh, San Rafael we talked about, we that. about that yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's huge to just yeah. have it all be yeah 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 <laughs> it, it, it's not like it's not I have to stop selfing and then I'll be yeah I have to stop what I'm not and then I'll be what I am it's like what, what you're not is gonna go forever but you either see it identified as what you're not yeah. or you see it from what you are and then the bigger punchline on top of it is you've only ever seen it from what you are so you know yeah hallelujah <laughs> wanted to experience what it might be like of course to do that yeah yeah, yeah. and that's again getting into the stoner thought yes thing exactly about, uh, yeah like, I, like I, getting up out of the movie and you see the person getting up out of the movie you know <laughs> yes exactly yeah and you go like oh i actually wanted all of this and yeah. you know something yeah what i am if you really uh, you know i like the idea of what i am wanted to get lost in it yeah. that's a very alan wattsy thing of like um god goes uh i don't know what separation feels like because there actually is no separation so let me go get lost in separation let me get so lost that mm -hmm. i'm utterly convinced let me that, evolve yeah, yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> right just to come back to the realization oh wait there never was a separation yeah you know and and maybe that's what the hell this dreaming is well know? i think that's the opportunity for humans humans will normally turn this into you know a proud narcissistic thing to be able to awake that am animals can't awaken because they're not asleep yeah yeah yeah. right yeah so the ability to think you said that before that stuck okay. with me yeah that, yeah yeah animals it's both it, humble and uh -huh. and yet unique yeah of course right i yeah. mean it's like what you know, it's not, it's not all about achieving anything. Yeah. It's about like, yeah, just experiencing what it's like to, to, to realize you don't have to achieve anything. And that's its own little, mm -hmm. you know, different it's, experience. Exactly. <laughs> it's its own unique experience of this. Yeah. And in, in one way of looking at it is it's no different than the experience of the cat or the dog. Yeah. And another they're having it all the time, but they don't have the contrast. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, you gotta, uh, you gotta maybe pay your dues of feeling like yeah, how much contrast do you want? Yeah, That's yeah. <laughs> that yeah. you have the free will yeah. to, to, Seemingly. to, 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 yeah, to eventually realize you don't have the free will, to do <laughs> yeah, <it. laughs> exactly. but you get that little uh, video game experience Yeah. for yeah. nothing. For no, yeah. <laughs> good thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> for no thing exactly yeah man you know i really just want to go walk for a park well go for a walk in the park now <laughs> you want it <laughs> yeah it's okay. for real like this is so much fun and it just makes me like i want to just go outside and look at some trees now like, want to go with me to the playground i would fucking love it man dude thank you so much i'm so glad that i decided to come by i know zoom would have been just the same but we didn't again i did this with sharon too we didn't even mention the fact that there's a pandemic going on and you know, like, okay, by the way, no. <laughs> I always, my, my little meta, um, uh, being self-conscious for the podcast, and, yeah. you know, thinks about when I, I went into this deep with my buddy Checo that I, I did a one with him last week of the person that stumbles upon this recording 50 years from now, mm. you know, and, and, and on whatever YouTube is 50 years from now, you know, some weird interactive, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. whatever. And like, uh, uh, you know, cause, because so much of my fun experience in awakening and, and revealing this stuff has been through Alan Watts and Ram Dass recordings in the seventies, you know, yeah. and they didn't know what the world would be in 2020 or who the hell yeah. I would be to stumble upon it. So I, yeah, 
that popped into my mind like hey by the way there's a pandemic going on yeah no you can totally yeah it adds a dimension of appreciation that's it does. phenomenal exactly man <laughs> um oh yeah as far as the pandemic like yeah the what do you call it the the cautionary thing or whatever like for me it's important to consider uh, like an AA it's you know any decision made from self or based on fear is what reproduces itself gets itself in trouble seems to get itself in trouble Mm -hmm. so it's like um oh whatever like if if you know money situation if spending a certain amount of money is out of fear because you're trying to you know you're being spent you're trying to avoid uh doing something else if you go shopping yeah oh yeah versus it's like a drug it's yeah. it is yeah or the opposite if you're if you're not, not spending, spending money because you're af- afraid of you know future penury <laughs> right totally. yep. uh the, the same action different meaning is being given to it yeah and so it's not like this is, there's it's fearful to actually try to answer the question <laughs> exactly <laughs> but the, the best thing that can be said is to wonder like am i getting together with nick because i'm in fear of of uh of um, having to change my lifestyle, like if I can't be with people, yeah. you know, fuck the world, you know, that's kind of fearful, right? Uh-huh. As opposed to like, you know, can I? And for somebody else, it would be something different. If uh, taking easy steps to be safe is exactly. less fearful, it's just like why can't exactly. I? You know? Yeah. So, to me, this is less fearful. This is I not. Agree. This is not. This is representing not fear. I love it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I and I'm yeah. totally in the same space, and I appreciate it. And it's cool to. to yeah. And you can respect it. other people, right? Exactly. Yeah. And if and if they are in the fear of you know I don't want you in the same building as me, I can respect that. Too. Right. Yeah. You know, ab- yeah. Ab- absolutely. And yeah, I, and it's a momentary thing that that you can't argue about as far as like oh yeah. you guys are definitely bad for yeah. having gotten together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're and gonna then talk if I respect somebody else later on, that's not contrary. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Well, it's funny for me just as an action figure i've never been the germaphobe at all right. i never the idea of putting on a mask like <laughs> it would, i always it's embarrassing but i would laugh at people and it's so funny the shift happened in me of like this is socially responsible if i'm outside of the house at the grocery store if i'm gonna come within possibly could come within six feet of anybody else i'm gonna have the gloves and the mask for me for them for humanity and it just once it made sense it made sense but there wasn't a lot of heavy moral anything to yeah. it you know it just and and you know my work is essential work so i'm gonna go out so i'm gonna put on the uniform i need to put on to go out and do my work and when 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 i'm not i'm not you know what i mean yeah, and it yeah. was just cool how it, it didn't have to i could see the mental state could take any one of those branches and create a whole fucking drama about it and it was oh my god yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. and so this is another case of like you know do we do the zoom do i come over by your house you were into it i was into it and it was just cool it's yeah. it there's it's so cool that there there it wasn't based in fear if there's no baggage there's no moral you know what i mean and um uh, i always get sappy towards the end of these podcasts and sentimental <laughs> so thankful to have a buddy like you man this is like this is like going on a drug trip. That's the best, Nick. <laughs> right on, dude, for real. It's 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 cooler than that just to come and talk and let's go for a walk in the park. Okay, let's go to the playground. <laughs> love you, Mike. I love you too. That was-